Good morning, Chair City Church. How you doing today? It is a good morning. Glad to see you. We are kicking off our new teaching series called Real Mature. And in this series, we're going to talk about growing and building a relationship with God. And I want you to stay tuned. I want you to remain tuned in because this is for everyone. Trust me, as your pastor, this is for everyone. Now, there's been a lot of research out there, kind of studies to conclude when people arrive at peaks in particular areas of their lives, right? And uh, since we're in a kind of an exam season, many of your loved ones are out there taking tests and exams. You might feel that stress in your homes, right? And uh, I thought I'd toss out a pop test so we could kind of join in on all the fun, right? So you, you can just answer. When I ask, ask, I'm just going to say ask. I don't care. When I ask the question, you can just give the answer to the person on your left or your right, or if you don't know the answer, you can just ask them for the answer, like some of you are familiar with doing when you take exams, right? So, all right, here we go, give it your best shot. At what age do you peak in your ability to learn a language? Answer, age seven. Okay, there you go, right? At when do you peak in your ability to remember faces? Mm. Age 30. Two. Ah, yeah, yeah. That would explain a lot, right? <laughs> when do you peak at understanding people's emotions? Hmm. Okay. All right, answer age 51. I am at my peak. All right. That's a good thing because it's really tough trying to understand all of you. I'm just about done. All right. When do you peak in your ability to remember names? Yeah. Yeah, if you, you don't, right? If you catch me in a lobby, you'll see that. Certainly, I peaked a while ago. But age 22, when do you peak in your ability to run a marathon? <laughs> yeah, right, okay. Age 28, when do you peak in your vocabulary? It's fun for the more senior folks. You're getting close. Yeah, age Answer is age 71. Yeah, somebody should tell that to my father-in-law who peaked at like 19. When do, you, when do you peak in happiness with your body? When do you, <laughs> never. <laughs> the answer is age 74. Somebody should tell that to my mother-in-law. All right. So that last one though, regarding your body and the happiness of your body is, is kind of interesting. Because what it's telling us is that really we've spent most of our lives being somewhat unhappy or dissatisfied with our, our bodies, right? I mean, when we look in the mirror, we're not happy with, what we've, with what's going on on the outside of us. And I wonder why it takes us so long into our 60s or 70s to kind of be satisfied with our bodies. And maybe it's because there, in the latter part of our lives, we begin to realize that what's going on on the outside is temporary, and yet what's going on on the inside is so much more significant, right? Meaning what's going on on the inside is not only significant and, and, and meaningful, but maybe it's even eternal, huh? And that's what I think the Apostle Paul was teaching us about 2,000 years ago when he writes this letter to the church in Corinth, what we call the Corinthian people. 
And we read in chapter 2 of this letter, which we know is the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So Paul is saying when it comes to the outside of us, it's a downhill slide. It's Wachusett Mountain Black Diamond, man, if you've ever gone up there. I did, and I went about 10 feet, and then I sat down, and I literally slid down like several thousand feet to the bottom, huh? That's not, I'm serious. Look, if you have any doubt about this deterioration of your body, just don't say anything, but just look to your left or to your right very quickly, right? You know? And, and if, you know... And if they're under 30, you know, you'll notice they're kind of smiling or giggling, and you can say to them, keep laughing because it's coming your way real soon, right? <laughs> what Paul is saying is that there's an outward decline. I mean, you could dress it up. You can have surgery. You could work out. Uh, you know, it's just going downhill. It might be at a different pace, slums, some slower than others. It's just declining, folks, right? Paul is saying physically we're dying. But inside, day by day, we're being spiritually renewed. That word renew means we are growing. We are maturing. We should be day by day growing and maturing spiritually. We should be more alive than ever in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, we don't get a choice in the physical part. Wouldn't that be cool? I mean, again, we can slow the pace down. To, do, to slow down that decline, but it's a process that's going to keep going. You can't stop that process. But when it comes to growing uh, spiritually and maturing spiritually, that's a choice you can make. And not only that, but God is calling you. He's commanding you to grow spiritually. And here's the great news. You never have to peak in your spiritual growth. How awesome is that? Now, for some of you, the time has come where maybe, you know, you have peaked, you know? And it's got nothing to do with your age. It's attached to the choices we make on how we began to continually know God. There was a time when you were incredibly enthusiastic about your faith, when you often were filled with this passion when it came to God and the church, when, you know, when, when peace was something that was on you more than not on you, huh? When you heard God's voice, I mean like really God's voice, like not what you think is God's voice, you know? <laughs> but like truly God speaking to you in a way that's lining up with his word and all of his word, huh? And when his presence was there, because if it's God's word and God's voice and his presence, you're going to have peace, right? And that's what's happening more then than now. The good news is that you don't have to remain that way, that it is God's plan for you to continually mature spiritually, for you to grow spiritually. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, that Jesus gave his life, God came down, wrapped himself in human flesh, walked this earth amongst us, and then gave his life on the cross, shed his blood, carried, bore your sins on that cross so that you would be new, that you could be made righteous, that you could be in a place and a position of knowing God and growing in a relationship with God. How incredible is that? So that you don't have to go downward. You can go to God as you want to be. I want to pause on that. Think about it. 
You can be as close to God as you want to. It doesn't depend. It has nothing to do with your past, your resources, your intellect, your school. It's, it's just do you choose today to be closer to God? Today, you have an open invitation to know more of God. Today, you could be real mature. Today, you can grow spiritually. The great pain in the church out there today, many of those who are theologians or pastors will say the troubling issue is, can people grow spiritually? Can they, can they mature in their faith? The question is, how do you grow? Some of you are kind of at ground zero, you know, when it comes to spiritual maturity. Like, you know, where you, you sort of, you don't really have much interest in God or spiritual things. And then some of you have come to salvation, where you, you, you kind of turn to Jesus and you began that relationship. We talk about that at the end of our time here at our gathering. And then it continues for some where you, you kept going, you kept pressing on, and you begin to grow and mature in that relationship. So each of us here today are on that kind of illustrative scale at one point or another, and traveling that scale at different paces. Sometimes you might think you're going backwards, but you're actually in a process where God is working on you to move you forward, to mature you, and to the extent that you'll move forward and be mature, to the extent that you surrender to him and trust in him and grow. Now, here's what I want you to know. Whether you're at one point in the scale or another, and this is important, it's a significant part of the foundation of your spiritual maturity, and that if you don't get this right, huh, you might struggle in growing spiritually. Your maturity could have a fracturing. Like if you've had difficulty in life and struggles in life, there's this kind of emotional fracturing in the foundation of your maturity as a human being and an adult. And you likely will spend the rest of your life working through that. I'm a great example of that. Faith has been phenomenal in my life. So I went from like when Christy met me to like here is a, a mature adult to maybe over here is a mature adult. I think Christy would be like over here is a mature adult. Just being unreal. But I'll continually, by the grace of God and God's mercy, be working out some of that fracturing in my foundation of maturity. So right now you... You know, you have this, if you grasp this, this is why I like the freedom group, the freedom uh, life group, because they kind of address this on how to see God. And what I want you to know is this, and here it is, that when you said yes to Jesus, when you say yes to Jesus, it is by the grace of God. It is a gift from God. It is not what you're doing, it's what he has done. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 9. It says, for it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourself, from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So when you've received salvation, it is God's gift to you. It's not about getting questions right. It's not about having great attendance in church. It's not about the good things you've done or the things you're no longer doing. It's not about performance. It's based on what Jesus Christ has done for you, and you need to get that deep down inside. Because that, that needs to bring you to a place of awe, to, uh, to, to a place of just being overwhelmed with gratitude, to, to a place of humility, to realize what God has done for you. And then you place your faith in that and in Jesus and what he did for you and the gift you've been given. And that is the fundamental, the foundation of your faith. 
And then you continue on that path and you begin to grow and mature and you're still being infused with the grace of God, though the maturing and the growing requires your effort. It requires your effort. Listen up. Earning is an attitude. Effort is an action. Earnings and attitude, knowing that God, knowing that you earned, that your salvation came to you from God versus you earned it is a significant attitude and posture that you need to have in your faith, right? If you think you've earned it, you're going to have an attitude issue when, in, spirit, in spiritually. But effort is an action. You need to take action to grow spiritually, to do intentional things, to develop these particular areas that we know are critical in your maturity in the faith. Now, I'm going to toss out a few to you today. One is spiritual intimacy. Two is biblical knowledge. And three is holy obedience. These kind of pillars that make up your, your faith, these, that, that what you will build your spiritual maturity on, to the extent that you grow in these three areas, will be the extent that you will become spiritually mature. The three are not separate. They're really woven together. They're one after another, one before each other. They're intertwined. They're interdependent. But for the sake of this series and for the sake of you understanding each one a little bit more, we're going to break them out one by one. Spiritual intimacy, biblical knowledge, holy obedience, all markers of spiritual maturity, of being real mature. And in this series, we're going to share these three markers. And again, I say tune in. You know, one of the reasons why I chose to go in this direction with this series is that the sum is coming upon us. And here's what I have observed after seven years of pastoring. So I, I had heard this to different degrees, but now I have wholeheartedly experienced it, especially being a pastor who is involved in people's lives, who's close to those in his church. Um, so the sum is upon us, and as we know, it goes and comes too quickly, yes? And then September comes. Do you know what the hardest, the most difficult weeks of my year as a pastor is? From the middle of September to the first or second week of October. It's really difficult. No, no, I'm not kidding you. Like, I, I prepare for it spiritually now. I tell people close to me, here we come. Do you know why? Well, because the summer is over. I used to think it was that, okay, the summer's over, and now people have to leave kind of, like the summer was distracting from reality to people, right? You know? It was, you know, they got out, they get about, they do different things, they go different places, their routines are different. And so I used to think that it was, they were kind of detached a little bit from the troubles and the difficulties of life, and now they come back into it in September, and boom, you know? They're, they're overwhelmed emotionally. They're down. They're struggling. You know what I've realized? That might be part of it, but do you know what the bigger part of it is? They have lessened in their disciplines of the faith. They don't come to church as much. They don't give as much. They don't pray as much. They don't read the Bible as much. They don't get together as much. It's true. I'm just telling you. And you go and make, make my life difficult. And I gave. I prayed. I read my Bible. I came to church. I'm laughing with you. But really, sincerely, I have wholeheartedly found this to be a consistent pattern. And so I'm bringing this to you, all of you, because all of you, meaning there's no like, oh, they're, they're new in the faith. That's why they're struggling in the middle of September. Oh, no. It's 
people of all ages, of all degrees, of, of all walks in the faith. It's just a comprehensive general makeup of people. So that's why we bring this to you, so that now you can grasp and you can begin to hone in on, I'm going to be spiritually mature. I'm going to be real mature in these coming weeks and months. Heck, I'm going to live out my faith in God from here on in and be focused on being real mature. Yes? How I live my life, how I talk, how at my job, how I interact with people, how I interact with people in the church, I am going to be real mature. Now today we want to talk about spiritual intimacy, one of those three critical areas of your faith. And when we hear this phrase spiritual intimacy, I want you to just pause and think relationship because that's what the term says. It just cries out relationship, huh? It's not about this thing we call faith in God, uh, uh, having a, a relationship with God. It's not about sticking to a, bunch, uh, a list of things. Uh, you know, it's not about do's. It's not about don'ts. It's not about rituals. It's not about traditions. It's about the living God wants to have a personal relationship with you. And that just must mean something deep to you today. Jesus prayed this. Jesus came for this. In John chapter 17, Jesus talks this. He prays this to, his, to God the Father. John chapter 17, verse 3. Jesus says, now this is eternal life, that they, you, me, his apostles, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Jesus came that you would know him, that you would know him personally in a life-changing relationship. Now, in order to know him and have close relationship with him, which is what we call spiritual intimacy, you got to consider a few things. And the first is, God is a person. Yeah, Christianity teaches a triune God, you know, one God, eternal, three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this God has a personality. He can be known. He, he, there's a consistent part of his, per, of his personhood. He thinks, he desires, he has sorrow, he suffers, he enjoys. He delights. This is God. God is not an abstract idea. God is not distant that he cannot be known. This fog in our minds. God really exists. God is a person, and he is that so that we could know him. We were made in his image. And because he's a person, he's relational. That's why we are relational. That's why when we nurture relationships, our lives are better. When we act selfishly and we fracture relationships, our lives deteriorate, meaning our peace, our gladness, it deteriorates. We need healthy relationships. And to the extent we have them, we flourish. To the extent we don't, we deteriorate. And we struggle. God wants, God is not only a person, he's a person who wants to be known, who wants to be known. He wants you to experience life with him. He wants you to know the, the plan he has for you. He wants you to know that he delights in you. He truly delights in you. And all of this should blow your mind this morning. You should be overwhelmed with gladness this morning that the maker of the universe desires to be known by you, that the maker of the universe desires to have an intimate relationship with you. God said in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God said, you know, that's a promise. 
God is promising that. If you seek me with all your heart, you're going to find me. It's a beautiful thing when you find God, huh? See, this is a choice you have to make. God is not hiding himself from you. God is hiding himself for you. You know, a couple of months ago, or last month in April, we did an Easter egg hunt here in the auditorium. It was insane, right? It was crazy. I mean, I mean the pictures are impressive, but really to be here was everything. I think we, we hid thousands of eggs, right? And, when you, and as we were the night before hiding the eggs, or beginning to hide the eggs, you could see there were kind of two approaches on how to do this. And it really started going to a gender thing, whereas the guys... They were like, okay, they'd be hiding an egg, and, and like a, guy, a lady would say, okay, listen, that's not a good spot. No, 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 but even if they find it, they can't reach it. It's just, what are you doing, you know? Well, okay, no, you're not supposed to camouflage that. They're supposed to find the eggs. That's, it's like, you know, we're not. so the guys were trying to make it harder. The, the ladies were trying to make it more easier and closer to the objective. Like, okay, we're hiding the eggs so they could be found. We're not hiding the eggs so that we'll beat them and we'll be better than them and they'll never be found, okay? We don't want them to strain their brains and become exhausted and start crying because they can't find the eggs, all right? Today, you need to know that God can be found by you. Today, choose to seek God and find him because he promises if you seek him, you will find him. Eric, do you like your Sunday school class? Do I like my Sunday school class? Absolutely. I feel like it's a perfect fit for who I am and where I'm at with God. I feel like I can really excel in this group. I tried other classes at church, but I don't know. They just weren't really for me. It's, it's hard to get out of bed and drive all the way down to church if you're not getting anything out of the class in the first place. But this one it just really gels with my personal learning style. I feel like Mrs. Evans gets it, you know? She really understands how to teach to me. And I think she's pretty impressed with my Bible knowledge, too. You can tell me who built the ark. No, no. Eric? Noah. Was it Noah? Yes, it was Noah. <laughs> I knew it. Where were you guys at? I know what people say, but... No, it's not just the snacks and the songs that make it a better Sunday school class. I just, I, I feel like I really connect with the other students here, too. So who do you like better, Spider-Man or Batman? Spider-Man. Yes. I just got the new Spider-Man shoes the other day. They're really fast. Mrs. Evans she just makes the word come alive with all those big pictures and take-home papers, and yeah, she just really brings it down to my level. <laughs> Jesus! It was Jesus. Jesus said that. <laughs> yes! Oh, yeah. Of course Sunday school is important. I, as long as it's not too difficult and you feel comfortable in it. I mean, I've been in Mrs. Evans' Sunday school class 15 years now. I'm not going anywhere. Yo, teach! I get another one of these? Listen, knowing God requires deliberate effort and time. Getting out of your comfort zone. 
making that effort. If you want to grow in spiritual intimacy, it takes effort and it takes time. That how, that's how it works in relationships, yes? You know, you, ha- you have the introduction, the invitation, and then the growth. You know, when I met Chris and I kind of ran this by several of you, you know, I had gone to visit some friends and I was going to see this uh, girls softball game. They were all, you know, all of these people that were gathering from a church and they had a girls softball game. And I come and I sit down and I'm sitting there, it was kind of on like the bench, kind of like the bleachers. And I sit down and there she is about 10 feet to my right. There's no one else sitting on that bench. The only thing is in between us, closer to me, about three feet from my right is a, is a, is a water jug, right? And so after like, you know, of maybe 10, 15 minutes, she gets up and she starts walking towards me. I'm irresistible, of course. I think she's gonna like come to me. Instead she stops three feet from me, bends down, picks up the jug. Like, it's like a half gallon jug. Like, you know, football players, she opens it up and she starts chugging it. Like just And I'm like, whoo. And so then, you know, she puts it down and I look at her, I'm like, wow, you know, that, that was like really graceful. I mean, so ladylike, right? So she laughs and she sits down, and, and that was our introduction. And you know, eventually we started talking. Well, a few months later, I asked her to go out with me, and she says, no, let's be friends. And I said, nope, I am not gonna play that game, not me. Well, about a month later, she changes her mind, and she gives me an invitation to have lunch with her. You know, of course, she didn't wanna risk losing me, so she, she jumped on that, right? So now here's the thing, she's, <laughs> She was in college in Rhode Island. I'm living in Brooklyn, New York. That's a four-hour track, man, okay? That's a long time for lunch, I'm just saying, all right? She, and when she wasn't in college, she lived in Connecticut, which is two hours from Brooklyn where I live. So but the point is I made a lot of effort. I took a lot of time to do this. Well, about eight months after that, we get you know, I take her to New York City, to Broadway. I ask her to marry me. Awesome night. And now I give her this invitation to take the relationship to the next level. Well, about two years from when we first met on that softball field, we get married. Two years from when we were first introduced. And that relationship has continued for 22 years, September 23 years that we've grown. Yeah, we have. <clears throat> We've had ups, we've had downs. We've always moved forward. It seems as though we've grown more and matured more when we've had our down moments and what's happened coming out of that. My life, honestly, is beyond what, not just I dreamed, but beyond what I could have imagined. The relationship I have with my wife is, honestly, more than I dreamed of when I was in my 20s and more than I could have imagined in my just distorted mind. But it all, it all has taken a lot of effort and a lot of time. No joke more on Christie's part than mine, but nonetheless, we've both having to put in a lot of effort and a lot of time. Now, when we were standing there at the altar 22 years ago, I had no idea that we would be where we are today. I, I, I had no idea that when we met and was introduced to one another, on that softball field that we would be where we are today, living the life we had. I had no idea that we would get married. Marriage wasn't even like, the word didn't even exist in my vocabulary. And this is true in our relationship with God. It takes effort and time. God wants you to know him. He wants to be known intimately. He does not want to be known casually. God is not looking for casual relationships. You know, Christy and I, 
You know, Christy wanted kind of a casual relationship with him, meaning she wanted to be friends. And I'm like, yeah, no, I don't want that. If we're going to do this, you know, I'm like, okay, you probably got like 10 guys that are lined up wanting to be your friend, okay? I, I, you know, wanting to get their shot someday. I'm not getting involved in that. I got better things to do in my life. And what I was saying was, as arrogant as that sounds, and it was, you know, I think what I really was trying to say inside was, oh man, I just threw down 300 bucks, spent two days, drove all the hours, and I just got shot down is what was really going on. But, you know, putting all that out there, we just sounded and looked better. But truly, what, what it was, I, I was, I was looking for all. I was looking for the real deal, as warped as it was in my mind, relationship. I was not looking for anything else from her but that. I don't even know, honestly, I'm not saying this definitively, that if a casual relationship with God actually exists. I think it does for us how it plays out in our minds. But in reality, in eternity, I don't think you can have a casual relationship with God. I don't think, I know it's not what God wants, and I don't think it actually exists. I, God wants us all in with him in this deep, intimate relationship. God wants closeness, and that takes time and effort. Jesus gave us an invitation and it's two words, follow me. Wow. Not follow a tradition, not follow a religion, not follow an abstract God or some theory or a belief system or a set of code of ethics. No. Jesus says, follow me. Me. That's so personal. That's so intimate. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9 says, as Jesus went from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. That simple invitation to Matthew that he gives to us today, follow me. Jesus invited Matthew to follow him. Matthew gets up and he does so. He leaves his life behind as he knew it, and he follows Jesus for three years. He's not casual about it. He's incredibly intentional about it. He's so deliberate about it, and it takes a lot of his effort and his time all this to grow closer to Jesus, to pursue Jesus. And you see, Matthew accepted that invitation from Jesus to follow him. Matthew had no idea when he did that, what would happen. He had no idea all that he would experience, the miracles he would see, the crucifixion, the resurrection, walking alongside the risen Christ. He would, nev he would never realize that one day he would be part of an incredible movement, the church, that would change the world forever. He had no idea that he would write a letter that would be deemed a book, that would become part of the Bible, that would be read by billions and billions of people, that is the greatest selling book of all time and every year consistently is the most purchased book of every year. He had no idea that people would name their kids after him. And some of those kids would be really good looking and smart and some of those kids wouldn't be really good looking and smart especially the ones that wear the red hats and the long black coats, but that's another story. All right, I thought it was funny. You got to poke Matt, you know, you just do. All right, listen. It's all about how Matthew responded to that invitation to follow me. The effort and the time that he put into that relationship, that's how Matthew grew. When Christian and I look back, it's amazing how much we have grown in not only as individuals, but in our relationship. For me, I think what I call the shifts, I, you'll hear me use the term shifts, the first big shift I had in that relationship was I realized or I 
kind of slash decided to actually listen to Christy. Yeah, <laughs> you know, to, to really listen to her, to really acknowledge her presence. And, and why not? And it changed so much because, I mean, after all, no one loves me as much as she does and no one knows me as much as she does. Why wouldn't I listen to her? Why wouldn't I acknowledge her presence? Huh? It's not just that I understood her more. I understood me more. The more I listened, the greater presence Christy had in my life. This was a good thing. The next thing that happened was we're in Florida now. We're married about nine years, and we kind of hit a wall. It was difficult. And I come across this book. I go to a Christian bookstore. I come across this book called The Seven Conflicts of Marriage. And the, the book's about... Um, you know, that these areas, when we come into marriage, we have expectations. Husband and wife, we just don't know it. We don't realize it, but we do. And, and those expectations come from things that are core about us, from our upbringing, our cultures, from our temperaments, our personalities, from core beliefs that we bring that in. And, and, and to understand one another is to understand the expectations and where those expectations come from. And you read in a book, and it, it takes you through asking one another's question, each other questions, and we were doing that. And in doing that, I got to know a Christy that I didn't know. I got to understand things about Christy and be informed of things that I had never known because I had never asked these questions. And it really set our relationship off in a better direction. So I was very familiar with Christy, and I know I knew some of her, but I didn't know all of her. And all of that required deliberate effort and time. I mean, night after night, two or three nights over the course of several weeks and keep going just talking about this. And from that, we have what we have today. Listen, God wants to talk to you. He wants you to get to know him deeply and intimately. He wants you to read his word, the Bible, which is God speaking into our lives. Literally, when you read the Bible, hear the voice of God. When I am in my deepest, most intimate place, when I, I sit there and I read the Bible and I literally hear I call it an imagination, call it, call it an interpretation. I, hear, I want to hear God's voice speaking. As I read the words, I'm hearing God speaking to me. And not just if I read one, one scripture, if I'm reading a whole passage, God is speaking to me. And in doing that, I'm understanding more of God. I'm becoming more and more, I, I'm knowing God in a greater way. And I'm growing in my spiritual intimacy with God. And listen, when you do that, when you open up the scripture and you begin to read it and you're reading it and you're hearing God's voice as speaking to you, reading to you, become curious. Become, you know, if you get curious, have this sacred curiosity as you're reading the Bible of what God would say to you, of what he would speak to you, of how he would break through, that in that moment he could transform you. Have great expectations. You know, Matthew was introduced to Jesus. Jesus gave him the invitation to follow. Matthew then began his relationship with Jesus. He pursued Jesus. Almost all of you have been introduced to Jesus, right? And, and you begin to move forward. And, 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 and perhaps you got to that invitation point, right? And, 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 and you got that, and you embraced that, but then you're kind of stuck. You, you're, you're a little past invitation. You begin to go, but you don't. You're kind of stuck around this place of accepting Jesus, knowing Jesus, and, and you really haven't matured. You're not growing, meaning you don't have this deep, personal, life-changing relationship with God. 
You're having a hard time seeing God for all he is. You're having a hard time investing a lot of your time and effort into developing this spiritual intimacy. And I think it's because you're just not 100% certain that all that God has and says is true. The day Christy and I were married was a beautiful day. I mean, in every way. 75 degrees outside, Windex sky, everything was fantastic. Nothing more beautiful than my wife. I had not seen her, but I'm figuring this is going to look good, right? And then there I am. I'm up at the altar, and I'm looking down the aisle, and the doors open up, and there she is. I'm trying not to look at her father. I'm just looking at her, and she looks great, man. And now she's coming down the aisle, and there's all sorts of stuff flying through me. I said, even my brother had to hold me up. I was getting so emotional. And I'm thinking, my, this is going to, I'm like, how do I pull this off? Wow, you know? It's going to be my wife, and I'm going to be a husband, and, and man, you know, like, can I do this? And, and, and is she going to stay with me? And, and are we going to, you know, I mean, it's just all this stuff is flying through. And when all is said and done, I come to a place where I'm probably 98% certain that I should be marrying this woman. Is she? Okay. Okay. I've never professed this before in public, but I'm, I'm about 98%, 97, I'm somewhere in the high 90s, okay? That this is the right thing to do when it comes to certainty. I'm not 100% certainty, but I'm 98%. This is going to be a great thing. Now, when the minister says, Dave, do you take Christy to be your wife? I didn't say yes 90% of the time. I don't think that would have went well, right? When he says, you vow before God, I didn't say yes 90% of the time. I vow before God. Would have went over worse. I gave Christy a 100% commitment of my life with a 98% certainty. I'm just being real with you. And you know what? I'm really glad I did. I'm crazy glad I did. But I think that's where faith comes into our relation with God. Faith is making a 100% commitment with a 90, without a 100% certainty. Now, I'm not telling you that I don't believe it's certain that Jesus died for you. I'm not telling you it's not certain that there is eternity. I'm just telling you in your head and in your mind, you're probably gapped. You might be at 98%, you might be at 70%, you might be at 60%, and that explains a lot of your, the resistance or the apprehensiveness you have to just going all in and, and to investing that effort and that time into knowing God. Jesus was introduced to you. You were stirred. You were moved. You kept going. You took that invitation to know him, and it was better. And now the time is coming where Jesus says, follow me. Follow me. God says, know me. And now the time is coming where you are going to invest your time, your effort, your thoughts, your finances, all you have, all into God. And you pause, and you stunt, or you don't grow and mature spiritually. You don't develop that intimacy with God because you're just not 100% certain. And yet there's so much in life that we jump into and we're not 100% certain of the outcome, right? Getting our planes, operating, I go on and on. Where we say, okay, I'm only 60% certain of this, but I'm gonna make a 100% commitment. Faith says, I am ready to jump in and make a 100% commitment. I am ready to go to the next level. Faith takes you deeper in your relationship with God. Jesus has invited you today to follow him. All of you. Jesus is inviting you to follow him. God is saying, I am a God who is to be known, and I want you to know me deeply and intimately. I want you to know more of me, God says. 
Now, for some of you moving forward, is that you've received that invitation, but, and it's sunk in, but you just haven't been, you know, and you began to follow Jesus. But, you know, somewhere along the way, you got very familiar with this whole thing we call Christianity in church. Somehow, it, it's gotten kind of, again, to you, maybe casual, but I'm telling you, it's really, there's no such thing. It can't be casual. You, there's a plateauing. There's a dulling, and today God is calling you out of that, and he's telling you, seek me with all your heart, and if you seek me, you will find me, and you will find my love for you. You will find my power in your life. You will find my provision. For others, you're just coming into that place of introduction. When you came in here today, you sort of got introduced. All this is Jesus. You were introduced to Jesus. Maybe in the days and weeks leading up, it's been kicking around, and you're being introduced. And now today, by God's ordinance, you're being invited to follow Jesus. You're being invited to have faith in Jesus. You're being invited into the kingdom of God. And that's when you, ha- when you receive that connection card, one side is, a, is light gray, and it says, my next steps. And it says, I am going to start a new relationship with Jesus. Today, I'm going to renew my relationship with Jesus, meaning I am going to have a real relationship with a real God today. And if that's you, you want to check off one of those boxes. You want to bring it out to the guest services table. If you're shy, you can put it in a box. If you go to the table, they'll give you a gift package, which is pretty cool. It has a Bible that you can open up and start to look at those words and hear God speak his voice into your heart and mind. And how awesome is that? You want to have a great summer? Right here, people. Grow spiritually. Spiritually, intimately grow with God. Decide today that I am going to know God for all that he is. Decide today that Jesus gave his life for you, that he died on the cross, that your sins would be forgiven, and that by acknowledging that and embracing that and believing in that, you are new from the inside out, and that the old is dying, the inward is being renewed. The more you embrace that and realize that it was by grace that it happened for you, not by your own works, but that God loved you so much that he gave you his son, and he gave you this gift, and now Jesus saying, just follow this and trust in this with all that you are, with 100% commitment, and I will fill in the gaps. Yes? To God be the glory.